In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, uh, we have a very special guest, Louisa Woods, who's a VP of Marketing for Gaming and Entertainment at Delaware North. Louisa, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for uh, inviting me to participate. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. This is one of the things, uh, this is one of the subject matters that a lot of our, you know, uh, customers and, you know, prospects and just, you know, partners to the company have been very curious about. So excited to kind of drill in into gaming entertainment and learn a little, learn a little bit more. Before I do that, though, why don't you, can you give us a little brief about yourself and, you know, what, what goes into your day to day, just so people can get to know you really quick? Absolutely. So I am the vice president of marketing for our gaming and entertainment division, which means that I oversee all of our marketing communications activities for our uh, land-based locations, as well as for our digital gaming businesses. Delaware North is a a company that uh, is a hospitality conglomerate. We do business in about 37 states. In terms of gaming, we have gaming in multiple states. We have about 14 different locations worldwide that range from racetracks to poker rooms to full-fledged casinos. We do uh, online gaming. We do social gaming. So it's a it's a broad range. What um you know as as you've been kind of in the industry um, and as you've seen different things, what are some of the I know, of course, right now we're in the middle of a pandemic, so things probably even look a little bit differently than what we've seen over the past few years. But what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in in customer behavior specifically? Well, I think that the gaming industry in particular is going through unprecedented change. So my background actually happens to be in digital gaming. I first started in the casino and gaming industry in the late 1990s, kind of with the birth of the invention of of the internet casino. And that industry has grown and proliferated worldwide, but it wasn't particularly present in the United States. There were a lot of regulatory restrictions against any kind of online gaming. There were a lot of barriers to entry. So it was essentially big land-based casinos that kind of controlled and defined the direction of the gaming industry here in the United States for many, many years. And that all changed in about 2012, 2013. And I was fortunate to get to participate in that kind of rebirth as a member of the team that launched WSOP.com, which was Caesars Entertainment's online poker business. And then uh, traveling to Atlantic City and heading up uh, online gaming for Tropicana Entertainment at their flagship property. And there was a lot of fear and a lot of resistance to the idea of expanding into online gaming. But one of the things that has happened is that there's been this democratization of access to products and services through the evolution of the internet. 
And when online gaming was in the United States was forced offshore, a lot of other businesses kind of rushed in to fill that void. And we essentially saw the birth of what today is is social or freemium casino gaming. And so even though land-based casinos tried to kind of of control the evolution of that industry, it evolved forward without them. And um, and we have a tremendous opportunity now as leaders in the industry to create a truly omni-channel experience for our customers so that when they're home, they can play online, they can enjoy the convenience of their mobile devices when they feel like coming together with others and gathering and participating in larger entertainments and participating in the excitement of a, of a casino environment, they can come together in those spaces. And I think it's really important that we maintain those balance and maintain the health of both of those kinds of entities. And they ultimately create a greater value proposition if we can have them, them well and smoothly integrated. And do you see, as you've been you know, kind of tracking uh, customer behavior, consumer behavior, are the draws on online and, and you know kind of land based uh, I guess gaming kind of the same or or does you know does one kind of basically be able to attract the other or like how does that work? Yeah, so there was a lot of fear at the beginning of this expansion that essentially online gaming would cannibalize the land based business. And there was also uh, people who hypothesized that a person who sits and gambles on their phone is not a person who goes to a casino, and a person who plays for real money is not the same person who plays. But I think it's really more a question of context. There are days in all of our lives when we're busy and we're hurried and we don't have time to get in the car and drive to a casino. There are days in our lives when it's right before payday and we don't feel like spending a lot of money. And we would rather just be kind of casual, low engagement, low energy, you know, just playing on a free to play casino for the entertainment of it, for the progression of it. And there are days when it's like, I want to get together with all of my friends and we're going to drive down to Vegas for the weekend and we're going to have a blowout weekend. And we all have those appetites. And so it is the same customer. It, and it's a, a question of recognizing the right opportunity, the right experience, the right offer to a customer at the right time. And so we have, and, you know, a, a huge area of focus for my career is bringing all of those experiences together and allowing people to transition seamlessly from one to the other and making sure that we as an organization don't fail the customer, that, you know, the, the right hand knows what the left hand is doing, that we create a cohesive and seamless engagement for that customer. So as you've been, you know, it's very interesting as you as you put it, like you, you have a true kind of, and I know omnichannel is kind of a buzzword, a true omnichannel experience here. What, what do you feel some of, you know, the people, either competitors or other people in the space get wrong when it comes to creating these uh, omnichannel experiences? I think that there's a lot of fear and uncertainty around this expansion into digital. It's a very, very different business. Uh, people behave extremely differently. For instance, when we think about a customer coming to a casino, we're thinking in terms of hours or days of time that they will spend depending on the facility. We're trying to create a multi 
touch point experience. There's dining, there's gaming, there's entertainment. There may be a hotel that you'll retire to at the end of the night. So it's creating that cohesive whole. In terms of online gaming, People tend to jump on in 10 or 15 minute increments. They may be, you know, sitting in front of their television and use it as a second screen entertainment. They may be standing in the line at the bank. They may be waiting for their morning train and they will come and visit us multiple times per day sometimes, but again, for just a few minutes at a time. The other really big difference is what I'm going to describe as ambiance. So if you're sitting in a casino The sense of winning is all around you. You may not have just hit a big jackpot, but the lady down, you know, down the the row from you might have just hit a big jackpot. And there's the bells and there's the lights and they're celebrating and having a great time. If you're sitting, you know, interacting with that kind of mobile device screen that's about this big, that sense of energy is very different. The speed of play is different and your perception of how you're doing, how your luck is running is very different because all of that stuff is contextual. So we tailor every one of those experiences to the context, to the environment, to the mindset of the people that are there. And we take into account how much time, where they are, how much attention, ease of use, Obviously, with online gaming, we have very limited real estate, and we're trying to make things simple, easy, and and low friction, whereas at the casino, we're trying to make it immersive and larger than life and loud and fun and brilliant. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, a very different user experience design. And what do you feel are, are some, as you're talking through some of the experiences, and they're, you know, you're different in, in, in both contexts, um, what do you feel are some of the, you know, the best practices that you would say, if there's two or three things for you know, an operator to think about, what are those two or three things that you think are really important? Obviously, we're in a different time and place now than we were six months from now. So my, my answer, if you had asked me in January, would have been very different than it is today. And so I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a little bit of both answers, because I think all of us do need to start thinking in terms of the new normal and the new reality. Because when you and I go out today, we're looking at every surface and we're looking at how close is everyone to us and how many people have touched that thing and how thoughtful is the the business owner being in terms of looking after my safety, in terms of looking after the safety of their employees. So it is a very different world in terms of the experience that we create. So whereas my answer in January would have been very much focused around short, clear communication and low frustration and not losing sight of the fact that your customer does not spend all day thinking about you the way you spend all day thinking about them. And there is a tendency to fall into vernacular and assume that your customers know about your business and about how it works and about how to behave and about how to take steps just because we think about it all day. Um, so that's the one piece that will persist forever is is make it as simple, easy, and low frustration as possible because we're all here to have fun. But now in the new world, it's an additional layer that's very much focused on creating peace of mind. And that is about attention to all of the details. Because when somebody comes into your building for the first time, 
Now they're looking at it from completely fresh eyes. They may never have noticed, you know, are there dust motes on the screens of one of your slot machines? Or did somebody leave a pen on the counter that they don't know if someone's touched it or not? So ensuring that, you know, you're telling the story in every single detail of your service offering and your program. We've designed a program that we call Play It Safe that we've deployed at all of our gaming establishments and, in fact, across most of Delaware North. Mm -hmm. And it is really a three-part program. It is about training our customer, uh, our front-of-house-facing customer uh, service agents and, and staff and teaching them how to look after each other and the customer. It's about educating the customer on how to behave in this new environment because everyone needs to learn new ways of being together. It is about the second piece is, is social distancing, creating enough space for people to be able to come together, spend time together, and do so safely without fear of being exposed to any kind of contaminants. And then the third leg of that stool really is the hygiene piece. So we have augmented all of our hygiene practices in our food service offerings, in our gaming, in our hotel, in our retail. Everything has been completely redesigned from A to Z to ensure that we're identifying areas of risk and protecting our customers. That's awesome. Do you think these these changes are are going to be pretty permanent, or do you think, you know, a year from now, however long this takes, right, for us to get back to a, a certain level of normalcy? Do you think some of these uh, things that you're deploying as far as safety goes go away, or do you think people are going to want this? Is this a new norm? I think we're never going to go backwards. I think that we will go forwards into a new normal. What that new normal will look like. We all wish we had a crystal ball right now, right? We spend a lot of time and energy right now trying to understand changes in consumer opinion and comfort levels around around doing business with us, what's important to them in terms of their experience, um, what's important to them in terms of that peace of mind. There is that balance between creating an easy, frictionless experience and creating a safe experience. The two don't necessarily align perfectly. For instance, we currently require our customers to go through a check-in process when they enter one of our facilities. There's temperature taking, there's recording their ID so that we can find them if we need to contact them. There is, you know, doing a screening to make sure that they're not exhibiting any symptoms. So, do I think that there will always be that kind of a series of, of checks? I doubt it. You know, I think that we will normalize over time. But I think that some of these new policies, procedures, and behaviors will persist. I think that the way that we serve food will evolve. For instance, normally you're used to walking into a restaurant and sitting down and being handed a menu that many other people have held in their hands. We're moving to uh, mobile ordering now, where someone can take their mobile device, scan a QR code, have the menu presented for them on their own personal digital device. I think that will persist. It, I don't know that we will always have individuals wearing protective goggles and face masks taking your temperature as you walk into a casino, but we may continue some kind of a registration and check-in process so that we're prepared if we ever have to do any kind of contact tracing. 
which things will persist and which things will will evolve, your guess is probably as good as mine. But I don't think we ever return to that. There's never been a time in history when we've gone through dramatic change and we simply return to the way things were. You know, new innovations are born out of situations like this one. I totally agree with you. I think there's going to be a level set. I think there's going to be a safety component to this uh, ongoing to a certain level, um, you know, as we kind of proceed to this new normal, as you said. Because we won't be caught off guard. You know, we'll be more prepared because it's not like COVID-19 is the only challenge that we could ever have to face in terms of how do we protect each other from exposure to whatever. Agreed. I think I think some of this also transfers over to like schools and other elements too, where I think this is actually good. It starts to create a safety barrier to prevent uh, illnesses, like in general terms. Uh, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think the other really, really great thing about it that I've been experiencing a lot is that people are really bonded together by adversity. This sense of all of us being in this together, we're all alone together, right? We're all sitting home. I am working from my home. I haven't seen most of my colleagues face to face in many months. And we're developing new skills. And we're also in the trenches together, dealing with the challenges, dealing with the uncertainty, dealing with with finding new ways of, of working together and being together, not just us as employees of Delaware North, but also the communities that we serve, the customers that we serve, we're globally all immersed in this same experience. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, as I go running in the mornings, I notice people are waving hello as well as they, as they never have. So it's it's definitely interesting. People are becoming kinder and and want that sense of community and, and togetherness. I absolutely agree with you. Lisa, as locations do start to open back up, what's your approach to creating an in-store ex- or in-location experience, I guess, uh, for your guests? Well, right now, as I said, the number one thing we're focused on is um, creating a sense of peace of mind, right? So we have opened up several of our locations already. We're open at our poker rooms in Florida. We have uh, casinos in Arkansas, in West Virginia, and in Illinois that are open. So we've been through this process a bunch of times. Uh, We also run some retail locations. I'm just going to talk about the gaming division here because that's where I've been focused. And for everyone, we had a comprehensive plan that was focused on two things. One being creating that sense of peace of mind, letting our customers know that we have put this time to good use to prepare for them, to uh, be able to welcome them safely, to be able to look after our employees, to be able to look after our community. And then the other piece is if we're going to ask people to leave the safety of their homes and feed that that need that we have to come together as, as a community, to be with other people, to enjoy the energy of other people, we need to make it worthwhile. It needs to be a fun and entertaining experience. So it's that I don't want to be worrying about, am I safe here? And I do want to be able to let my hair down and have fun. So we've had to be very, very creative about what does that fun look like? We don't have massive concerts like we used to have. Um, We don't have mass gatherings. So we are innovating a lot in terms of how we deliver on the experiences that our customers love, whether they're gaming experiences, dining experiences, 
tournament experiences, promotions, every single piece of our business, we take it, we break it down, we evaluate it through the filter of can we do this safely? Um, and then we reinvent it. What is your ad curiosity? What's one of your favorite you know, uh, stores to shop in? I know we have to get back against that level of being able to shop freely, but um, uh, one of your favorite stores to shop in where you, the experience really you know, captures you every single time. So I'm really fascinated by the design of, and this is this is such a mundane thing, but I but I love them. I'm I'm fascinated by the design of grocery stores, and particularly some of the big big box kind of grocery stores. I love going to to like Sam's Club. I love going to uh, you know Walmart, Target. Um, I love going to these stores and seeing how much attention to detail is put into merchandising is put into you know the flow of the customer around the store i love kind of playing the game of you know feeling myself being channeled into a specific flow and evaluating how they're using their shelf space to to impact my purchase decisions because that's a store when i walk into it i know i'm going to walk out with a bunch of stuff there are lots of types of stores that i walk into and i may browse may grab my eye, but I might spend a bunch of time in there and never pull up my credit card and never, you know, bond with something and walk out with it. When I walk into a grocery store, I may have a plan and it's like this this game of of what the grocery store wants me to do in terms of behavior, buy a lot of those kind of impulse items, you know, high markup goodies. Um, I may walk in there thinking, okay, this is going to be all about fresh fruits and vegetables, and I'm not walking out of here with ice cream, and yet somehow I have ice cream and potato chips when I uh, when I walk out with my cart. So as a marketer who spends a lot of time thinking about designing uh, customer experiences and behaviors, I uh, I enjoy and am fascinated by the skill and the attention that goes into creating those experiences for me. I was uh, speaking to one of our, you know, uh, other clients who they were talking about, you know, designing their experience in location. And they actually have uh, one of these, I guess you want to call it more like um, trendier grocery uh, stores that they've created where there's some toys in there and some some different components in store. One of the things they were saying is they're actually designing their locations merchandising wise and messaging wise to keep the dad, if, if a family walks in, keep the dad occupied, because typically the dad is the one that says, no, 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 don't put that in the basket. So it's interesting because, you know, even that sort of flow, as you're talking about, you know, what, what the grocery store has in mind for you versus what you have in mind, it's interesting that uh, in some cases, some of these uh, entities are thinking about even who uh, in the family that walks in, you know, could potentially, you know, get them to you know, sell more or sell less, uh, really, in this case. I think the other thing that I really love is is this kind of concept of the luxury potato, you know, and you know the potato's history and you know its parents and, you know, you get to hear the whole narrative of how this third generation family in Iowa, you know, nurtured this potato from seed and uh, it creates a really different relationship with your food. And uh, I think that that is, is just incredible innovation and I love it and I enjoy it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, there's brands going all out with that with that type of stuff, where they're really telling a story about every product they even have in store and how the product came about and stuff like that. So, absolutely, absolutely agree with you. 
Uh, Luisa, as, as you've been, you know, kind of thinking, again, experiences both online and offline, uh, what are some technologies um, that you have seen, you know, being adopted at a faster pace than expected? And I know that, uh, you know, the pandemic is, is one component, but even pre-pandemic, what are some things that you, you saw that were being adopted? In our industry, our industry is, uh, is notoriously slow to adopt change. It's one of the few industries where you you see um, limited use of credit cards or, you know, we don't see cardless, we don't see cashless, we don't see e-wallets. The fact that we that we work in such a tightly regulated and controlled industry that we want to ensure that we're protecting against um, any kind of responsible gaming issues means that we're not trying to achieve that same distance between the consumer and and their wallet that exists in some other industries. We want them to be to walk into our establishments knowing how much they intend to spend, having a plan for it, and never walking out feeling uncomfortable with the choices that they've made. That's important to us. However, that being the case, we're now uh, seeking out different ways to create that same effect while still being able to provide people with the convenience of alternative payment methods. And that has been a requirement in order to be able to expand into remote gaming, into different forms of digital gaming, et cetera. So I think that's uh, an important innovation. This whole concept of bring your own device is a major innovation for casino. You know, it's always been you walk into a casino and there are these big boxes, sometimes 13 feet high, backlit bells, whistles, uh, blinking lights. And now we're starting to see the reinvention of the gaming space because people don't necessarily want to sit in tidy rows facing a slot machine. They may want a more casual interaction. So we're starting to see gaming lounges where people can play on their phone or their tablet. There may be uh, you know, a digital screen on the wall where they're competing with each other and playing games. But it is a very different dynamic. And I think that is very much being driven by consumer taste and appetites. I think that we're also seeing a lot of innovation in the, in the food space. Casinos are notorious for uh, having big lineups at the buffet, having big lineups at events. And we're starting to leverage technology to speed up flows and to be able to also keep people engaged and entertained and occupied while they're while they're in those lines if they exist. So I think we're uh, we're streamlining a lot of our processes. And then I guess the last thing is that we're using technology more and more and more to create personalized experiences. And that is something that we see all over the world. But if I was to open up your laptop right now and see what kinds of ads are being served, they're very different than what I'm probably seeing, which is mostly shoes, because I really like shoes. But being able to understand that one person walking in is more interested in in slot gaming, and they particularly enjoy progressives, wide area network progressives, they want to go after the big prize. Another person coming in is only interested in sports betting or table games, and being able to tailor the experiences, the communications creating, you know, electronic messaging and mobile app messaging that is tailored to the individual based on our history with them, our knowledge of their preferences, and just a respect for what is of interest to them. And that's something we're getting better and better at as an industry. I think one of the things that it's actually interesting that you you talk about mobile phones, because it's, 
usually you walk into a gaming environment and they tell you to put your mobile phone away. So now it's being embraced. and That's changing. You know, uh, that used to be the case that you couldn't bring your phone out on a casino floor. You couldn't take pictures. You couldn't, you know, now we start seeing uh, very different ways of people interacting. And I think we will eventually, and I've certainly been pushing for this, because people tend to come in groups and different people want to do different things at different times. You know, we will eventually see a world where I can be standing at a, a roulette table, let's say, and I'm playing and my friend comes by and says, hey, we're going to go grab some lunch. Come on along. And I would like to continue playing. So I'm going to now log into that table as I walk over and, you know, everybody's perusing the menu and I want to keep laying bets on that table. I can stay there. I'm on a lucky streak. I can continue it uh, while I'm sitting at that table and while we're all waiting for uh, for our appetizers to arrive. I think that... There's a lot of, of breaking down of barriers of what it is to game, what it is to to see different forms of entertainment, where things happen, how they happen, how we socialize and mix social interactions with other activities. Yeah, that's awesome. I would be very, uh, I was just, as we were talking, I, I, I was thinking about the different scenarios where that, that would have been great for me as you're walking away and you're, you're on a winning streak and my wife tells me, "Hey, it's time to go feed uh, feed our son or whatever." That that would be that would come in handy. <laughs> I think that that's the thing about creating a a social experience is um, that you've got different people who have who have different interests and different tolerances, and creating an environment where they can come together as a group and then organically break apart and come together again is more and more important and necessary. And you know that's what we're working to be able to support. Louisa, that was great. That was a, a wealth of information for our listeners. Uh, before I let you go, I always like to, you know, finish off the interviews with, uh, we know you're from Buffalo, New York. Where, where are some uh, notable places to come visit once travel opens back up and people feel comfortable? Where are some places that you recommend? Oh, well, absolutely. So I would recommend a couple of places. I am a lover of the arts, of theater, etc. People tend to think of Buffalo, New York as being a lot about the lake and Niagara Falls. Um, and I relocated to this area um, just a couple of years ago and wasn't very familiar with it and had no idea how much culture there is that I that I can have access to. And also what a great city it is in terms of food and some really innovative restaurants. I'm a huge foodie, so I was very excited about that. I would definitely recommend um, that people go to the Albright Knox Gallery and the Birchfield Penny Gallery that is across the across the street from it. They're two really world-class art galleries. I'm also a fan of architecture, and a lot of people are not aware that there are quite a few Frank Lloyd Wright designed homes here in the Buffalo area. So that's exciting to be able to come and see. Uh, we have 22 professional theaters in the Buffalo area. So for a person who enjoys musical theater, dramatic theater, or likes to go see Broadway style shows, Shays Buffalo is a great place. We, uh, I also like to go to um, Musical Fair, which is another uh, music theater that we have here in town. Uh, in terms of Dining. There are a couple of neighborhoods that are really great, and we have some uh, some fantastic local eateries. I'm just trying to think of names. Lloyd's Tacos is one of my favorite eateries, as well as the Black Sheep is another really interesting local eatery that I like to go to. Yeah, so I think there's a lot to see and do. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. I definitely got to come visit. I've heard that a lot. Uh, there, there's a lot to see in Buffalo. So definitely, definitely on the, uh, on the bucket list for sure. Well, Luisa, again, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, I know our listeners are definitely going to enjoy this one. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.